Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. This is week four in the Kingdom Come series, and today's topic is Enduring for the Kingdom. The preacher is Ray Albrecht. Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 to 42, which can be found in your Pew Bibles on page 975. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what you say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and the servants to be like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more will members of his household? Do not be afraid then of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark Speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Even the very heads of, hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, God bless you all. It's lovely to see you. And uh, I'm standing in for Chris. Anyway, this is an amazing scripture, isn't it? One of those exciting scriptures telling us that we're going to be flogged and we're going to be uh, criticised and thrown out and sent to jail and all of that. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) Yes. Well, initially this... In your workbooks, those of you who go along to connect groups, you'll find that the the title of this one is An Enduring Kingdom. I thought, oh, yes, I can preach on that. That's good. I can talk about how the kingdom of God is going to last forever, etc., etc. Very exciting. Then I got a phone call and said, no, we're changing it. <laughs> and we're changing it to Enduring for the Kingdom. So that's good, isn't it? So we all know what it's like to endure. And some of you husbands or wives, you can be bumping the person beside you already. And yes, you know all about enduring. But that's not really what we're talking about today. So what does it really mean to endure? Well, looking up dictionary, etc., it means abiding, continuing, eternal, firm, Immortal, imperishable, persisting, steadfast, unwavering, etc. So to endure, this enduring for the kingdom means that uh, we've got to be steadfast and persisting and uh, just continuing in our faith. So this gives us a a glimpse into this kingdom and it's called the kingdom of God and Christ. It's also called the kingdom of heaven. Uh, It's called the kingdom of the son of his love, speaking of Jesus. And all of this is under the reign of the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present and internal and called the Alpha and Omega. So this is the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's the Godhead. And this kingdom is controlled by the Godhead and... uh, We believe that, as we say in the Lord's Prayer, what is it? Your kingdom come, your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. So God's heart and mind is that the kingdom of God would be shown through us here on this earth. So let's have a little look at this because this is not the most popular part of the Bible to read, especially when it says those who endure to the end will be saved. 
So, but keep in mind that this is a further instruction to Jesus' disciples, which we read earlier on in this same chapter, where Jesus actually names 12 of his apostles or disciples. And, uh, uh, but we also know that there are others who followed Jesus on a regular basis. For instance, when choosing a replacement for Judas Iscariot, who took his own life uh, for uh, uh, giving up Jesus, the qualifications for a replacement were that they had travelled with Jesus from the time he was baptised by John until he was taken into heaven. So what does that say? That means that there must have been others that were there with Jesus right from the very start apart from those 12. And we know this because there were quite a few. And uh, one of the other things was that they were to be a witness to the resurrection. So out of the group that followed Jesus at that time, only two qualified for those things. And there was one called Joseph, called Barsabbas or Justice, and Matthias. And uh, the disciples, after prayer for guidance, lots were cast and Matthias was chosen and he was appointed as the replacement and was one of the 12. Now, you might be thinking, well, uh, here they are in the New Testament and they're casting lots. Why didn't they rely on the Holy Spirit? Well, keep in mind the Holy Spirit hadn't come down by then. They hadn't been baptised in the Holy Spirit. So they were doing things in the Old Testament way, the same way as the soldiers at the foot of the cross cast lots for Jesus' garments. That's the way they did things back then. So, but the disciples prayed first and believed that God would guide them in the selection that they made. And so that's why we know Matthias was chosen. But also we find if you go to Luke chapter 10 verse 1, Jesus appointed 70 others and sent them out two by two into every city and village where he was about to go. And they were witnessing miracles using Jesus' name. So there there were these others that were obviously following Jesus as well. So my understanding then is if if Jesus is talking not just to the disciples, but he's talking to the 70 as well, and then he says to us, go you into all the world and preach the gospel, he's talking to us. So whatever we read about in this particular scripture even though it's not the best scripture, keep in mind that Jesus is talking to us. So we become aware that these things, the imprisonment, the trials, the floggings, etc., they've been happening in many parts of the world for many years, even today. And not so much in our Western cultures, but many were established on the... because these were established on the principles of the Bible. You only have to go online to the persecuted church and you'll find many accounts of what is happening today. I grew up hearing about Richard Wormbrand. Anybody else hear about Richard Wormbrand? A a guy that uh, went through persecution and established uh, churches but also won many people to the Lord. And then there was Corrie Ten Boone and her sister. Anybody hear of Corrie Ten Boone? A lot more hear about Corrie Ten Boone. And uh, they were known for hiding Jews in their home in in Holland, but they were caught. And so uh, Corrie and her sister were sent to the concentration camps 
and uh, put in the barracks there. But an interesting thing about Corrie and her sister is that in these barracks, because it was so filthy and everything, there was a lot of fleas, a lot of fleas. How many people really love fleas? Nobody loves fleas. But what they started to do was to start to give thanks to God for the fleas. Do you know why? Because it meant that the soldiers and the guards would not come into the barracks because they were more scared of the fleas. And so they, they stopped uh, uh, having, well, stopped raping the women at that particular time. So you can give thanks for God for all things, even for fleas. <laughs> Hallelujah. But then I've just been going through a book that I've had for a while and it was called The Heavenly Man. Anybody read that book? Few people have. And this is a, a story about a, a, a man in China called Brother Yun and his family. And uh, he, he called himself the heavenly man because when he was taken by the Chinese officials and everything because he was preaching the gospel, he refused to give his name and refused to give up the names of the people that had been in the church there at the time. And uh, he was tortured mercilessly and uh, put in a small area with 10 others and uh, he was kicked and punched and, and tasered many times. And uh, because he wouldn't speak there for a while, then they actually tasered him in his mouth. Could you imagine what that would have been like? And this man endured and uh, a, an amazing man who trusted God in everything and, and to get his strength and, and that he, he continued to quote scripture to himself so that he would be strengthened in the Lord. And one thing about him, and you might find this very hard to believe, but you can, uh, if you get the book, you can read about it, but he felt that he needed to uh, fast and pray. So he went on a total fast of food and water. And uh, he fast, believed this or not, but he fasted for 74 days without food or water. But God sustained him. In the end, he was just like uh, skin covering bones and he had to be carried around by his fellow prisoners anywhere. But he never, he never gave up the names of those who were Christians. But towards the end of that 74 days, his mother and his wife were allowed to come visit and his wife refused to accept the fact that this was her husband. She could not remember him looking like this. The only way the mother could recognise her son was that she found the birthmark, that she knew where it was. But what they had done is they brought along communion. And when Brother Yun, for his first meal, took the bread and the wine, it's like the strength of God just filled him and he was able to stand for the first time in ages and he got up and he preached the gospel and all of the inmates there and around about all got saved because of this man's endurance for the kingdom of God's sake. What an amazing man. And you can, it, it, the book is entitled The Heavenly Man. 
And uh, many times, as you read missionary stories, they used to go to foreign lands and pack all their belongings in uh, their coffin because they didn't believe that they would ever come back alive again. They were prepared to lay down their lives for the kingdom of God's sake. What an amazing thing. My parents were missionaries up in New Guinea for 21 years, but they didn't pack a coffin. Thank the Lord for that. So what do I get from all of this? Well, there are four main things that that really challenge me about all of this. And the four things are, number one, be on your guard. Number two, don't worry. Number three, don't be afraid. And number four, don't be surprised. Now, be on your guard. Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes. And that's shrewd. Now, I think this is a good word for Christians. Mm-hmm. Being shrewd, calculating, crafty, cunning, perceptive, sharp, sly, smart and wily. That's talking about Christians. And what a great thing. That gives me an excuse. <laughs> but he said, be as shrewd as snakes, but as harmless as doves. Did you know that doves and pigeons are the only birds that don't have a gallbladder? So there's no bitterness. No bitterness. Amazing. So what's it saying about us? No bitterness. No bitterness. So even though there would be floggings and brought before kings and governors and this was all on Jesus' account. But I read that a good soldier is always ready. And for those of you who've been through the war, uh, you've never had an opportunity much to really take off your uniform and go and have some leisure time, you know, and just in the middle of all the shooting, etc. No, you kept that uniform on and you stayed in it for weeks on end. And that's what a good soldier does. Why? Because you have to be ready all the time. And uh, the Bible tells us about having the full armour of God. And he talks about that in Ephesians chapter 6. Because the devil is out there to rob, kill and destroy. So we always have to be on our guard. Amen? So, be on your guard. But don't worry. Don't worry. When they arrest you, don't worry about what you're going to say or how you're going to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And many prophets in the Old Testament spoke only what God told them uh, to say and ended up in jail. And there was one that was even thrown into a pit that he was up to his neck in muck. Wonderful, eh? They left him there for days until the the king suddenly came to his senses and realised that the prophet was telling the truth. So they hauled him up and cleaned him up and everything. But there are others that just got tortured because the king didn't believe what the prophet was saying. But anyway, uh, we know about all of this. And some, it says here in Hebrews, this is a, a great scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. This is what it says. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. 
They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, living in caves, in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance or endurance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Now, the disciples knew about this, and this, I'd say, in some respects, could be referring to some of the disciples, because out of the 12 that Jesus mentioned in the beginning of this chapter, John was the only one that died a natural death. But even he had been plunged into boiling oil and came out unscathed. But all the others had been tortured and killed, even skinned alive, some of them. But uh, we know that uh, Peter was uh, crucified upside down, his request. We know that Andrew was crucified on what we now call the St Andrew's Cross, and others just the same. So these guys, from what Jesus said to them earlier, didn't realise that that was going to be their end. But don't worry. (laughs) In Matthew chapter 6, we're told, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store foods in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are. Isn't that good to know? Yeah. Of course, sparrows are only sold for a penny, but you're far more valuable than that. He goes on to say, don't worry about these things, what, about what we will eat, what we will drink, or what we will wear, for your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So we go to the next one. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. The truth will come out. Or even of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The Apostle Paul understood about dying. He said, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And again, he says, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Dr. Martin Luther King, when questioned why he looked so calm after so many threats against his life, said this, I've made my peace with death. Isn't that great? Why is that? Because his faith and trust was in Jesus. He knew about the resurrection. didn't matter whether he lived or died, a bit like Paul, because he knew that on that day he was going to be 
with Jesus, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus to save them, there is no need to fear death. We'll rise again at the end. So our fourth thing, don't be surprised. And uh, in 1 Peter, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Another, another translation says, leap for joy <laughs> when the fiery trials are coming upon you. Yes, mm, okay for you, Peter. Yeah. No, it's for all of us. When the fiery trials come upon us, that's when we can leap for joy. Why? Because it's all for Jesus. All for him. So uh, he says here, leap for joy when the fiery trial comes upon you. And uh, so suffering for Jesus is nothing. We'll have that wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to the world. So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. But it's no shame to be suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. And it's going to be coming like that more and more, even here in this country. To be called a Christian, be ready. So I just want to read then from Micah chapter 7, which is where Jesus was getting a lot of his information from about people, family being against family, fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. Let me just read this to you. Micah chapter 7, verses 5 to 10. Don't trust anyone, not your best friend or even your wife, for the son despises his father, the daughter defies her mother. The daughter-in-law defies her mother-in-law. Your enemies are right in your own household. This has already been proven to be true. This has happened in the past. As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me and my God will certainly hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemies, For though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I will be patient as the Lord punishes me, for I have sinned against him. After that, he will take up my cause and give me justice for all I have suffered from my enemies. The Lord will bring me into the light, and I will see his righteousness. Then my enemies will see that the Lord is on my side. They will be ashamed that they taunted me, saying, So where is the Lord, that God of yours? With my own eyes I will see their downfall. They will be trampled like mud in the street. That's a good promise for us, isn't it? That's Old Testament. How much more does that apply for us who know what Jesus is doing for us even now? He's beside the Father praying for us. So Jesus finishes his exhortation by making sure that they and we publicly acknowledge him while here on this earth. His promise is that we acknowledge that he will acknowledge us before his Father in heaven. But everyone who denies Jesus here on this earth, he will also deny them before his Father. So our love for Jesus should be superior to our love for family, that is, 
prefer Jesus above everything and everyone else. He challenges us to take up our cross and follow him. For Jesus, that meant shame, abuse, pain, persecution, even though he was innocent. He says, take up your cross and follow me. I remember that hymn, some of you might know, Man of Sorrows, what a name. I remember that one and I come to the second verse because as I was looking through this, I came to this second verse. Bearing shame and mockings rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a saviour. He bore it all for me. He did it for you. Surely we can do it for him. So being a Christian is not for those who are fearful or faint-hearted or afraid of the future, cowardly or fragile. Tough days are ahead. Proverbs 28 says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. So my question is, as I close, are you brave enough and committed enough to make a stand for Jesus today? Where do you stand? We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.